Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. It's uh, Thursday. And it's almost Friday, and I'm looking forward to it because this is one tough week. Uh, in the studio with us today, we have Judge Richard Weinberg. We have Ed Cox, uh, uh, the New York State uh, Chairman, GOP. And we have Governor David Patterson. And uh, he was the dear Democratic National – not the Democratic State National Chair. State the Chair. State, State Chair. Chair. And uh, you were governor for uh, two or three years, and, and – uh, he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. By the way, I do want to say for the record, I am with four very well-dressed men in the studio. I just want to say for the record. Wow. Happy birthday time. Oh, oh, happy birthday. That's and right. Birthday on Monday, yeah. right? Happy yeah. birthday, yeah. That's right. By the way. Uh, we did wish you happy birthday on your we birthday. We did. Yeah, well, thank you. We did big time. You got a birthday wish, a belated and one. We all, that's, we the all wall, sang. The wall. So and that's why sang. I was walking on air. You guys were talking about You were singing about you. I said he got a belated wish with the wall coming up, right, at right, least partially. Guys, we're, we're waiting <laughs> right, for Maria Salazar to come on, and then we're going to have uh, John Solomon has some breaking news, James McGreevy from New Jersey, uh, uh, Lara Trump, uh, Dr. Peter Mihalo, some revelations on staying alive, Gordon Chang, uh, beyond uh, about 5.45 to tell us about uh, parts in the airline business. Yeah, we have a blockbuster uh, lineup today, John. Wow, this is amazing. And such huge news uh, coming out um, as we're going to be talking with Congresswoman Salazar in a minute. Um, and we understand she has joined us now, uh, Congresswoman Maria Salazar of the How great state you? of Florida. How are you, Congresswoman? Mm-hmm. It's Rita Cosby. And well, first Hi, of all, Rita. your big reaction to the Biden administration. Everybody's talking about it. He is now going to build at least part of the wall. <laughs> well, they're a little bit hypocritical, but it was about time now that they realize that they have no other way forward. After three years of a border opened completely, now they went back to the um, the only tool that they thought it worked, and it did work. It was under the Trump administration, and they said that it was going to be inhumane and that they were never going to build another inch of a wall. Look, and that's why American the American people are so cynical and so uh, disgusted with politics because you say one thing and then you do another. Well, Maria, the White House is saying that that there's no change in policy here. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. And in fact, I don't know if you saw, but they were hammering. They were saying, no, the wall still doesn't work, but we're forced forced to use it because there's an allocated amount. Yet Mayorkas last night, the Homeland Security Secretary came out and said, there's a dire crisis. All these illegals are crossing. We need to build. They can't even keep their story straight. He was saying the border was secure. Every He did up until last night. (laughs) It changed. 
Governor Patterson? Uh, Congresswoman, I was uh, very impressed this afternoon. I saw you on CNN talking yes, about uh, Ukraine and yes. uh, how much we have to keep an eye on, on Ukraine. I was wondering if you'd share some of those thoughts with this audience. Of course. Listen, I represent the city of Miami, the heart of the Cuban exile community. We know, my parents know exactly what the Russians do to you. They oppress you. It's misery and oppression and then exile. So we need to send a very strong message to Mr. Putin that he cannot keep Ukraine because if we don't, and let me just say something, we haven't lost one soldier in Ukraine, A, B, 5% of the military budget is going to Ukraine, no more than that. And number three, if we abandon Ukraine now, the war is going to be a lot bigger and it's going to cost us a lot more, including American boys and girls. So it's very clear for us, the Cubans and the, and the Hispanics in District 27 in Florida, we know what the Russians do to you, that you stop them on their tracks and send a very clear message to Mr. Putin that we are not going to abandon the Ukrainians, who, by the way, they are fighting for their lives. You know why? Because they were with the, with the Russians. And 30 years ago, they experienced, they savored democracy and freedom. And, right? And, the, and Putin, Putin is systematically destroying their cities. And, oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, kidnapping it's tens of There's thousands no of kids to Russia. Oh, and they, come and, on. There's no accountability. The communists are in the business of power, not in the business of serving their people. And we know it in this hemisphere. Fidel Castro, Hugo Chavez. Uh, Ortega, look what's happening in this hemisphere. We know it very well, and I know it very well because I have those constituents in District 27. So that's why they vote Republicans, because they know that we've got to stop the Russians and the communists, including China. Nothing that deals with the communists is good. And Ronald Reagan said it. And even in the past few hours, they blew up uh, an occupation that was taken back by Ukraine and kill 51 people. And clearly that was a message that I believe Putin thinks that because we're having a little instability in our leadership, that this is a time to strike. Of course. And that's why we are in the war, because I remember a year ago, the message sent by the White House to Mr. Putin, oh, please, you know, if you're going to invade, don't invade too much. Just make it light. It's, so the message was completely wrong, and that's why we are in the mess we're in. Well, president Trump or a Republican president would have sent a different message, and we would not be in the situation we're in. And we're in the mess because Biden, Putin got into Biden's head. He got concerned about World War III, got concerned about nuclear. Sure. nuclear. You can't do that. You've got to show yeah. strength. Should have gone right at it, given the Ukrainians whatever they needed in order to make sure that they could defeat the Russians. That he escalated slowly. That doesn't work. No, the drip, drip, drip. And also, drip, drip, let, drip. let's doesn't talk work. about the beginning where he said Afghan- a minor incursion and Afghanistan don't withdrawal. Forget, don't forget Afghanistan withdrawal set the marker, which is it's all fair game. And Taiwan could be next, Congresswoman. You know what it said? That the administration is weak. That's what it said on foreign policy. And Joe Katsimatidis just said it. You just said it, Mr. Katsimatidis, that if you abandon Ukraine, Taiwan is next because China is going to be emboldened because the White House is asleep. And, and the other thing I don't understand, uh, Maria, uh, Ms. Con- uh, Congresswoman, 
uh, is the fact that Maria, Maria, uh, (laughs) is the fact that uh, uh, President Biden has said to the Ukrainians, you can fight the war in Ukraine, but don't 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 uh, cross Russia. Don't cross the Russian border. I mean, I don't know if we should laugh or cry. Cry, 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 cry. Of course, you know, and also the F sixteens. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're going to oh. get you the F sixteens, and now the latest is the next year. Next year. I, I mean, can you imagine? You're in the middle of a war, John, yeah. and they say we'll, we'll get you what we'll you need in a year. We'll get yeah. around to it. Congresswoman, thank you so yeah. much for calling in and uh, keep Bye. fighting for our country and uh, remind everybody that uh, Cuba is not a good place to live in and we don't want to turn the United States into uh, Venezuela. Thank you so much. Of course. Anything that smells like socialism is bad for us. Thank My you so much. love to you and thank you, you for the opportunity. Goodbye. Thank Bye. you, Congresswoman. Great. And by the way, uh, you interviewed Pompeo. Uh, and I want to play a little clip of this, John, if Fine, we can. Uh, you, the former secretary of the state, uh, of course, one of the smartest guys we all know. And it's very timely because he talks about the House speakership, but he also talks about the border wall. You have a blockbuster interview. And here's a little tease. What is today is, uh, former secretary of state Mike Pompeo. Uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, what a mess the world is in. Where do you want to start? You know, John, as I, I, I stare at what's going on, the thing that threatens America just most immediately is the fact that we have today literally thousands and thousands of people, mostly uh, single males, fighting age males coming across our border in the South. And no one in the Biden administration is remotely taking this seriously. This presents decades-long problems when you begin to now the numbers after months become hundreds of thousands and after a year or two become millions of people who we don't know who they are. We don't know what their intent was in coming across the border. Uh, They don't want to be part of the American fabric. They bring with them drugs. They bring with them remnants of cartels. They bring with them, in some cases, connections to terrorist organizations. We see what it's doing to America's biggest cities, no longer just our southern border. This is this is the nature when you don't protect the basic rule of the law uh, and sovereignty of the United States of America, you present you present challenges that will go on for decades. And we know how to fix it. This is not an unsolvable problem. We simply have an administration that refuses to take seriously the risk to America from having a wide open southern border. What happened in Washington caused uh, the speaker, Kevin McCarthy, to resign the speakership? Or he he got outvoted. What do you hear about what's going on in Washington? I mean, this gang of eight that held the Republican Party hostage. I mean, it's wrong. And it it seems like uh, maybe that Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker, had a deal with the Democrats that they did not honor because of solving the problem on the budget that something they would solve the problem with the same people that voted equally on the budget would vote for him. Have you heard anything like that? I'm not sure how much truth there is to that. Might, might be true. Here's what I do know for sure. There were 200-plus Republicans who all believed, by the way, many of them, uh, conservatives like me, right, like Representative Jim Jordan, and um, they voted to keep Kevin McCarthy. And, uh, you know, eight folks decided that they were the most important people in the world and not the conservative movement. For me, it's not about people and personalities. It's about how do, you, how do we do what America needs us to do and to create the chaos that has flowed from this last week. I don't see how that furthers that objective. I think it was an enormously egotistical thing for those eight people to do. 
And I think, frankly, it, it sets back the conservative movement in ways that we probably don't even fully appreciate. I am confident that Nancy Pelosi and the current Democrat leader, Hakeem Jeffries, are thrilled at what happened last week. And they voted alongside those same eight. Every Democrat voted with those eight people to do precisely what you have. If it's all the Democrats and eight Republicans, that's bad for America. You'll get the full interview with uh, Secretary Mike Pompeo on Sunday's Cats Roundtable and uh, this Sunday. Uh, but uh, now we have uh, some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is John Solomon with Just the News. John, uh, you are making lots of headlines about this early interference on the Hunter Biden case. Talk about it. Yeah, listen, remember what Merrick Garland staked out. I never interfered in this. We didn't meddle. We didn't put our hands or fingers on this. There was no dirty finger in the drink stirring it. Justice Department had nothing to do with the Hunter Biden criminal case. Well, over the last four months, we've learned a lot of things. One of them is the Biden-appointed U.S. attorneys in Washington and L.A. rejected charges, keeping Hunter Biden from a more serious felony case. Then we learned that there was uh, contact with the deputy attorney general during uh, at least the office of the deputy attorney general during the negotiations that gave Hunter Biden that plea deal that ultimately got rejected. And then we found out that there was regular supervision and interference from the tax office division of the main Biden Justice Department. But now we know from the moment Joe Biden got into the White House that the Justice Department was intruding on the case. 16 days after President Biden took the oath of office, his new political appointees at the Justice Department asked the Delaware U.S. attorney, who was supposed to be independent on this matter, for an update on the on the case. They wanted a full briefing, what was going on. And the agents who were involved in it became suspicious because some of the people who were asking to attend had nothing to do with the case. For instance, there was somebody from the National Security Division of the Justice Department. This was a tax case. National Security Division doesn't deal with taxes. They were very suspicious why the National Security Division was asking to be in on this briefing. And the suspicions about the National Security Division are somewhat founded, at least for Republicans, why that was the office that filed some of the bad FISA warrants during the Russia collusion case that misled the FISA court. And more recently, it was the office that uh, decided, that made the momentous decision that they were going to raid Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago uh, state rather than do a cooperative search of the property like they did for Joe Biden. So, so wait, John, so wait, what you're saying is 16 days after Biden takes office, suddenly DOJ is demanding information. That is stunning when they've said they've been hands off. They, it is. It's clearly one of the many contradictions, and including the fact that, remember, the attorney general said, oh, the U.S. attorney with Delaware, he could have brought charges anywhere. And then we had to he had to reverse and say, no, I got to admit, Los Angeles and uh, Washington didn't want to partner with him, and so we didn't bring the charges there. So uh, the attorney general's story continues to go in tatters. This is something that Senator Chuck Grassley and House Judiciary Committee Chairman uh, Jim Jordan have really focused on. There are some real questions about the credibility of the department today. John Solomon, uh, is Garland, Attorney General Garland, has he crossed the line? We'll see, right? Uh, one question is, was he in the know? Or did he know about these meetings? Or did he at least try to find out about them? Or was he misled by his staff? That's always a possibility. But I can tell you this, his credibility with the Republicans on the Senate and House Judiciary Committee is in tatters. They simply don't trust his explanations. And some of his leadership, they've doubted since the day that he authorized the FBI to investigate parents who were simply protesting at school boards. Remember, that memo treated them as domestic terrorists later the attorney general withdrew that and said it was a mistake. But the relationship between Congress and the attorney general is 
not that strong right now, and these new revelations are certain to add to that dynamic. So for all intents and purposes, because of what's happened in the speaker, with the speaker, uh, everything Mm -hmm. is at a standstill? It is. For the next few weeks, there can't be subpoenas, or at least for the next week, there can't be subpoenas because there's no chair uh, occupied by the speaker. So therefore, subpoenas under the congressional rules can't be issued. So, yeah, the Hunter Biden investigation will slow down, at least on the subpoena front. Now, uh, investigators every day are uh, making inquiries and digging in and learning. So some good work is going on, including interviews and documents that they're reviewing. But the uh, the most powerful tool they have, subpoenas, on hold at least until next Wednesday when the first vote for the new speaker is supposed to be hold, held. Have you heard the rumors going around Washington that uh – uh, the speaker, uh, Kevin McCarthy, had a handshake deal that uh, since he's going to break with his extreme right uh, people, uh, that uh, he's going to be backed up by Pelosi and and, and backed up by uh, 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 Hakeem Jeffries and, uh, for his speakership. And that's why Pelosi got, got fired five minutes later. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's true. I, at least from my reporting, uh, McCarthy's office was telling me from the beginning they did not expect the Democrats to support him. They kind of knew that they were going to go along with the eight or nine rebels that, that McCarthy was counting to vote against him. Uh, there's also been talk of a secret deal on Ukraine. It's actually not that secret. Uh, when uh, Kevin McCarthy took it out of the defense bill, because that's what the eight rebels wanted, he said, hey, we're going to bring it up for a separate vote. So it was very public. There were no secret handshakes. There, there was a lot of subterfuge going on well, in the Why did Nancy Pelosi get, get, get uh, knocked out five minutes later? Because Kevin McCarthy is going to get that space. I guess he needed office space now that he wasn't going to be speaker, so he kicked him out. And uh, it's funny that he'll be occupying that space, according to the reports today. I think that's the most likely scenario um, uh, for it. But uh, I, as far as deals, I've... My understanding from the Democrats and from um, uh, Kevin McCarthy's office was that neither one thought that the Democrats were going to vote for McCarthy. I mean, maybe at some point he would have loved that to happen, but it just wasn't in the cards for the Democrats. Having this disarray is a good thing because it keeps people from talking about the border, the economy, rising inflation, rising interest rates uh, and rising crime. And so the distraction is welcomed by the Democrats. And no one I talked to before, during or after thought the Democrats were going to cross over and support him. Wow, very interesting. Uh, John Solomon, we love you. Thank you so much um, for being here on Cats and Cosby. You always have some great stuff. Thank you. Great to be with you. Totally. Very interesting. And also, John, the fact that Solomon, as he was saying from his reporting, 16 days. It's like they didn't even wait. And yet the attorney general, your question, has said, I know nothing. I know nothing. Well, the first day they shut down the pipeline in 16 days. They wanted all the information that all the uh, government agencies had on Hunter Biden. And what they also did in the first couple of days is they cut off the investigations of the Chinese linkage into academia. Because there was a special squad out of the Justice Department investigating that as well. Really? And they shut that down as well. And, and by the way, and, we have Gordon Chang coming up, who's going to talk about Chinese influence and, in and academia. I understand there's four schools in New York that uh, are run by a Chinese communist uh, person. Gordon will have his pulse to that. He, okay. Gordon Chang is coming yeah. to that. Let's take a break, and when we come back... We have former New Jersey Governor Jim McGreevy. Is he going to run for mayor of Jersey City or not? We're going to ask him. How about the Senate? 
common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back here on Cats and Cosby. By the way, everybody, stay tuned because Laura Trump is going to be joining us on this big news day. She's going to be with us uh, in a little less than 10 minutes from now. You definitely want to stay tuned. We also have Dr. Peter Milos uh, talking about some blockbuster stuff that's happening, sadly, with tuberculosis uh, tied to the migrants. Uh, so you don't want to miss that. And also we have Gordon Chang talking about the influence of China that's happening with counterfeit parts all the way to our airlines and also in schools in New York. Ed Cox and uh, and Governor Patterson, what do you guys have to say about what the heck is going on? Well, yeah, we heard from Congress, uh, Congresswoman Salazar, a Cuban refugee family, about the problems of socialism in Venezuela and, and of course, in the Ukraine and uh, what the Russians are doing to Ukraine and what democracy. We got our own problem here in New York. We got a problem that the socialists here, that's AOC and people who have a big influence, right, the, the, the governor well, on the uh, – on the, and they – what do they want to do? They want to raise taxes. they would like to raise taxes because on the top 5% of the population – which means that everyone that makes $250,000 or more would get taxed. And the first thing is I don't think they know that $250,000 isn't what it used to be. And it's it would it's really a fireman and a nurse, David. drive them right out of the state, Your Honor. It, 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 that's, what, that's what would happen. And there are plenty of states that can't wait to get uh, a higher population and, and more taxes into their coffers. So, yeah, so Governor David Patterson, of course, Democrat, uh, your reaction, you you feel it's it's over the top? It, it, it's, uh, it's creating a situation that's going to make it harder for New Yorkers when New Yorkers are leaving the state as it is now. In upstate New York, uh, the population is severely less than it used to be, and now it's creeping into New York City. And you have people moving away, and and that's where your tax base goes. And over the last five months, each month, the controller Tom DiNapoli, has reported that the tax receipts that have come in from what were anticipated are less than that. So we're going to probably have thirty-six billion dollars of deficit over the next three years. And I faced that in fifteen years ago, but that was part of the national recession. So people were you know, kind of understood that we had to do something about it. Not that they all jumped in to help. But what I'm saying is that this is a real bad situation for the state to be in. Yeah, I agree. Not the time to be. I mean, I don't think it's appropriate uh, almost any time, but especially not right now, Ed Cox. And then, Well, the national economy is chugging along very nicely. What happens if we have a little recession? How much bigger does that deficit get, Governor, on the recession? Yeah, that's the issue, uh, Gov. I'll need a calculator for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Judge Weinberg. And don't forget that New York City is obligated to have a balanced budget. And so people fleeing from New York under the city laws, city charter, we have to have a balanced budget here in New York City. And if these people leave, the most productive, the job creators, the taxpayers, the innovators, if they leave, what happens? And what happens to commercial real estate and what happens to residential real estate? This is oh. serious stuff. And AOC does not understand this. She should go back to bartending. Already over the last two years, 500,000 of our most productive citizens have left. And that's why we the revenues are down and the budget deficits is up and it'll keep rising the more they increase. This is a vicious economic tax. And, and this is surprising because 
the notion of socialism is a notion of equity. In other words, that everybody should get about the same. But the same isn't going to be the way they imagine it. And this is why in most socialist societies that what inevitably happened was tyranny because individuals started making the rules for the many. And uh, and the same thing with communism. It's the same process. They take care of themselves and the rest of the people uh, yes. to suffer. Right. Uh, as for some are more equal than others. Yeah. Yes. That's a big, big problem. And everyone else is equally poor. By the way, uh, as as we're talking about people getting uh, kicked out, I, I have I can't forget a commander of the dog. Did you see this? Commander of the dog at the White House has been kicked out after biting now uh, 12 Different individuals. There's been 12 biting incidents. There's reports that maybe as many as 34 people have been bitten. And, and we were told from one of our, one of our uh, great colleagues that under DC law, the dog has to be quarantined the first time it happens. The second time has to be removed. They gave commander a pass over and over again. It looks like everybody in the Biden White House gets a pass. I thought dogs only got a second bite. That was it. That's the <laughs> second yeah, bite that's, at the apple. That's oh, the different. Apple. All right. My, uh, way to, We'll solve the problem. Send him to the Ukraine. <laughs> All right, guys, everybody, uh, stay with us. We have Laura Trump coming up right after the show here, right after the break on Cats and Cosby in just a few minutes. Stay with us. You're commuting home with Cats and Cosby. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back here to Cats and Cosby. Let's go straight to Laura Trump, of course, the daughter-in-law of former President Trump and who may be the next president of the United States. Uh, Laura, we're so happy to have you here on Cats and Cosby. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I believe 45th president of the United States and 47th president of the United States. I'll say it here today, right now. Let's make it happen. You know, we have so much to talk with you about, Laura. I got to get to obviously the big, big news. Everybody's talking about the border wall. This was uh, the centerpiece very much of your father-in-law's uh, presidency, his campaign. Uh, we heard over and over again from the Biden administration, no, we'll never build a wall. They dismantled it. And here in the last few hours, they're building part of the border wall. What's your reaction? I mean, it's, isn't it incredible to see? I, it's, it's sort of mind-boggling because we all could have predicted that we would come to a moment like this. The truth is, we all know, if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. You cannot just allow a free flow of millions of people, you know, who we really don't know who they are, what their intentions are, to come into America. It overtaxes all of our systems. We see the disasters that have happened all over this country, from the border towns in Texas all the way up to New York City. It is a a, a problem that we are going to be facing for years to come, And I think what it tells you, Rita, is that now the Biden team has finally gotten to their breaking point. Here's a guy who has to wear special shoes to walk around. He's got to go down the short stairs to Air Force One. They have an entire team making sure he doesn't fall over there in the West Wing. And now they're realizing that it will be nearly impossible to get the American people to buy in to Joe Biden one more time for president of the United States. So it seems like a bit of a last ditch attempt to salvage anything. But man, do they have egg on their face. Donald Trump did this a long time ago. And think about the money that was wasted. Don't you remember down at the border wall, they had to hire guards to guard pieces of the wall that had not been fully erected yet. 
that Donald Trump was ready to put up whenever things changed over to the Biden administration. They had people guarding that stuff who they paid month by month to guard it. Then they discarded it. Then they took parts of it down. And now here we are. They're putting it back up. What an utter waste of taxpayer money. And what a disaster this has all been for the country. And Laura, I got to ask you a big break of news coming in um, that it is being reported um, that your father-in-law is told it says Fox News and maybe some others that he would accept the House speakership short term, the position that's now vacated. Uh, what are you hearing? Because he's going up to Capitol Hill. It looks like next week. Well, I actually just got off the phone with him not too long ago, and and he he brought it up to me, and he said a lot of people are saying that I should do this. Now, I will say we will have the most effective United States Capitol and Congress you have ever seen if Donald J. Trump is Speaker of the House. There is no doubt about that. Now, whether or not this is something that actually ends up happening, whether or not uh, you know he goes through with it remains to be seen. I think there's a lot to consider here. He certainly has a lot to do while he's running for president of the United States, while there are all of these unwarranted, crazy investigations and indictments against him. So he's got a lot on his plate. But if there's one person who could probably handle it all, I'll say it's probably Donald Trump. So we'll see. So, Laura Trump, he did bring it up with you. It sounded like also, by the way, when he was in court yesterday, he said, look, I would be happy to help my country, serve my country. So this is something real, obviously, it seems, from him and from everything he's telling you, right? I mean, it sounds like something that, that he's, he would take seriously. I think the truth is the American people need somebody to be there as a leader. I mean, you know, we can't go on in, in pure chaos going forward in the Congress. And, and while the Republicans hold a slim majority in the House, you know, we've got to do a lot. There's a lot that needs to get done. There's a lot that we can do to help the citizens of this country to, to, you know, help the future of this country. And so I do think that He's available to to serve the people of America in whatever way he possibly can. And I guess temporarily, if that's Speaker of the House, then maybe it'll be Speaker of the House. Well, we certainly need somebody with courage to stand up for America, to stand up for what the heck is going on. It's horrible what's going on. It's horrible. It's horrible to see. And I think that, you know, we really are at a turning point in this country where so many people really are, are realizing how much the wool was truly pulled over their eyes by the Democrats, by Joe Biden, who was sold to the American people as this nice old Uncle Joe, going to bring decency back to the White House. And here we are. Our country is in true disarray. People can't make ends meet. We're sending millions and millions of dollars overseas. We need to be taking care of the people here in America first. And we do, you're right, John, need a true leader. And Donald Trump is definitely that. Ed Cox, Joe Biden only knows one thing, politics, ever since he was elected right out of law school to the Senate in 1972. It's all politics. That's all that comes out of the White House. How about telling the truth sometimes? Yeah, how about telling the truth? Uh, uh, it, it, so here, once again, he's zigzagging because now elections coming up and all of a sudden, let's seal the border. Right, and he still won't admit that he needs it. it Mayorkas has said it's a dire crisis. And even the president won't even concede they, they, that. They changed their minds three times back and forth. Yeah. You know, uh, Lara, before we let you go, too, I want to ask you, um, because you and I, we were uh, I was communicating with your folks. We were talking about the billboard. you got to share this because in the middle of all this, we're seeing the pylon that's happening to your father-in-law with all these cases, including the New York case. You just dealt with something firsthand and it had to do with the billboard in New York. It's so crazy. And honestly, it's what I think conservatives, unfortunately, have to deal with every day, which is that 
we're discriminated against based on our political views. And that's, I believe, exactly what happened to me. I released a cover of Tom Petty's great song, I Won't Back Down. It's a bit of a country version. And I was certainly shadow banned on all the different music platforms. But last Friday when the song was released, we purchased a billboard in Times Square. It was supposed to have my picture up there with the song title and my name under it. Now, this billboard company was happy a week before to sign and take our money. They knew who the artist was. They knew what the song was. And two hours before it went up, they called and said, we can't put this up with the name Trump on it. So we're not going to put any words on it at all. So it was just a picture of me on a horse in Times Square. I'm sure a lot of people were very confused if they saw that. It went against the entire purpose of what we were trying to do. And obviously, they're in breach of contract, and it was discriminatory against me. So this is not the end of this story. I can assure you you there will be more to come on it. Uh, Lara Trump, thank you so much for uh, coming on, and uh, we'll catch up again real soon. And, and Laura, I, I want to I say... Pray for, uh, I pray for our country. And I want to say on a, on a, on a much lighter note, Laura, I listened to your single. I heard it. You're a great singer. I was like, is there... A, and you played the piano on it, right? right that's a, what's the name of the song? Uh, yeah, a, tell us the song so people can get it. send us the link. We'll put it on the WABC website. Yeah, tell us what's the Thank link you. for it's, people uh, listening. It's I, won't, it's I Won't Back Down. You can go to iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, wherever you get your music, and you can find it there. Um, Amazon Music. And I will send it to you guys. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. it. We'll Thank put you it so out. Much. That's we a love you, Laura. I'm not trying to be the next Whitney Houston. Don't worry. This is a fun <laughs> thing that I love doing. You're Thank good. You, you are really good, Laura. <laughs> Thank you, my and friend. Now, Thank and you, now honey. we got Jim McGreevy calling in. We finally found him. You were missing in action. We we're going to call the uh, New Jersey State Police. Hey, John. Good, good to be with you and good to be with Rita. You know, I, I still haven't recovered from that wonderful dinner at Cipriani where you celebrated all good things, Castamatidis. Well, thank you for being there, and it was one good time. It Cousin Brucey, Cousin Brucey uh, did a great job. Uh, I love that rock and roll. It was great. And, and, Gov, I'm glad you joined us at the table. That made my table oh my complete. Gosh, <laughs> but you know what was great was the present that you gave Cousin Brucey, John. That was you, Margo. That was so magnificent and so appropriate. Yeah, that was. Now, I have to ask you the $64 million question, Governor, because you know how much we love you. Um, Are you going to run for Jersey City mayor or not? What's ahead for you? Well, I'm I'm just uh, thanks so much, Rita. And thank you to, to John. But I'll make a decision, you know, before Thanksgiving. But you know, I'm, I'm out there, and, and John knows this, and you were just out there in the community and, and looking at Jersey City, and, and and there's some really good positive things that are happening, but also making sure that Jersey City stays affordable and we move forward in the right direction. So I'll make a decision before Thanksgiving, but I'll be sure to call you and John before I do anything. Good. I mean, I've, I, by the way, I'll be your press secretary. How's that? Oh my God! <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, I don't think I, I. I think you're like at least two or three steps above my pay grade. Yeah, you you heard about my price. Okay, good. All right, <laughs> Let judge, judge Weinberg. Governor, good yeah, to talk to you again. Listen, I think uh, you should really consider the United States Senate, and I have uh, I have no problem helping in that campaign. Thank you, Judge. You know, but, you know, I think the great thing, and John knows this, the great thing about the local level is you can get real stuff done. You can, you know, make a city safer. You can help, you know, make a city cleaner. You can 
You can make schools work better, you know, work for affordability, attract businesses. And it's just, I think, Judge, you can roll up your sleeves. If you work hard, you can bring about real dramatic change on the local level. So I I think the city level is what, I don't know, it's just what what makes you feel good. And you can see real change that that impacts people's lives. I don't know. It sounds like you're running. What do you think? Governor Governor McGreevy, whatever you run for, I will support you. But if it helps you more, if I support your your opponent, I'll support your opponent. <laughs> John, I'm, I'm counting on you for you know like the the, the Greek vote, uh, but uh, no, but I, I just and and John, you know this radio station. I when I talk to it, you know it's so funny. My friend Mario Costa, who who runs uh, the Ringside and the White Man in Jersey City, a hamburger joint, and I was on the morning radio show, and he said, Jim, I got wiped out. Everybody came in to buy my hamburgers. They're all WABC listeners. He goes, so I want you to know they, they come through the Holland Tunnel, but they're also in Jersey. You've got a number of devoted listeners, and your demographics show that, John. Yes, 40% of our listeners are in New Jersey, so we have a big demographic. Yeah, huge audience. Yeah, Thank huge. You. Jim McGreevy. Growing, yeah. Let's, we're going to catch up real soon. Good to hear your voice. All right. Thanks, John. Give my love to Margo, and thank you. And thank I will you, do that. Thank, thank you, Doug. Gov, so much. And now let's go to Dr. Peter Mihalos. Uh, Dr. Peter Mihalos, this is really troubling, this new trend of New York City. It looks like rising tuberculosis cases. And I remember we were talking about it tied to even the migrants, that there's a lot of stuff coming in unvetted, unchecked. Well, it's not only uh, illegal immigration, it's also legal immigration that, you know, people can bring uh, things into the country that normally might not be here. We had TB under control. There's 500 new cases that can happen uh, anywhere, but most of the cases seem to have come from outside of the uh, country. An interesting thing I was thinking about is we have a big blood shortage, and uh, if we can encourage people and ask them voluntarily, would you like to donate blood? And guess what the most comprehensive screening for all diseases is when you have a, when you become a blood donor. So if you have a partner who's a blood donor, you know they've been tested for every form of TB, HIV, every tick-borne illness, every hepatitis in the world. So that might be something uh, to let you know people know and give them an option. Would you like to be a blood donor? And uh, that's one way. Not only it benefits them because they can find out what's wrong with them, but it also is a good health and safety system for our population because if someone has certain communicable diseases, for example, before you put them into a school with other kids or before uh, you, you know, basically uh, start riding the subways and buses, it would be a good way to screen people for uh, various diseases that potentially could be communicable and also sexually transmitted diseases because we have a big rise in the United States and I'm not blaming migrants for that or anybody. It could happen to anybody. But that's just a big problem now. We're seeing nationally the rising cases of syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, and all these other uh, different uh, diseases. And uh, Dr. Mihalos, too, we were seeing, too, um, uh, budget cuts and understaffing is is obviously another big issue. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, because what happens is that we need, na- you know, health care is national security, as we found out with COVID and cutting uh, budgets. We need to increase budgets to our city hospitals. I don't know about sending all this money abroad. It starts worrying me when we're not taking care of great hospitals in New York uh, of the healthcare system, places like Bellevue and Kings County, which are the safety net 
for people in uh, in uh, our communities here in the New York area, and we need to be funding them and supporting them instead of you know spending three four hundred a night putting up people uh, in hotels. So I, again, I'm 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 all about immigration. Please, we all came from immigrants. We're all immigrants, but I think we have to have a priority portfolio of how we spend money and focus on healthcare. And we need to be preparing for the next potential pandemic. Or even if we were to have a, have a war, we just had a, a mil, uh, the alert system go up the other day. What if it was a real war we were in or some other national disaster or even some type of a chemical plant, let's say, blew up in New Jersey and a cloud came over and we had mass casualties? How would we handle it? Are we really prepared for it? Are we funding? Do we have enough beds as we found out we didn't during COVID? So these are all things, and I'd love to see it published in all the newspapers, what our actual disaster preparedness plan is and how ready are we. And someone should be appointed immediately if I was mayor or governor, that that would be published so people know what to do, where to go, where to call when phones aren't working, you know, what, where are the health centers going to be? So these are things that we need more uh, information on disaster preparedness, even a massive hurricane on Long Island. You see these coastal evacuation signs. Nobody's going to be able to get off, but we need yep. to know yep. where's the high ground and preparing. But you guys always get the truth out and get it out to the public and uh, help keep our listeners alive and healthy. Thank you, Dr. Peter Michalos. And we'll catch up with you over the weekend and, uh, uh, I understand you're going to be on Sunday, and you're going to have some more revelations on Sunday. Absolutely. We're always getting the truth out on the Cats Roundtable and the Cats and Cosby Show. Thank you. We Thank love you. you. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we got uh, Gordon Chang, Gordon G. Chang, and uh, more revelations of the United States is under attack. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. By the way, if you were just tuning in a few minutes ago, uh, Laura Trump, who joined us exclusively with that big bombshell that she spoke with her father-in-law, of course, former President Donald Trump, and saying, yeah, he is seriously considering uh, being the next Speaker of the House. Uh, that was really interesting, Ed Cox, that yep, she just you, got off the you phone. You do with not him. need to be a member of Congress to be a Speaker of the House. And uh, the, the, under certain dynamics, that could happen. Yeah, she said uh, she spoke with him, uh, that this is something he is talking about seriously, and uh, that he would do it for the good of the country. Yeah, so I, that's I just, interesting. I got, a t- I got a text message from uh, O'Brien, and he says that if he's under federal indictment, doesn't qualify him. What do you think, Judge? That's if he's under federal indictment, he can't be speaker. What do you do? You know anything about that? I know, no, I know nothing about it, but uh, I don't know unless there's some rule of the House that says that it's not a question of law. Well, and I talked to. I'll just tell it's usually you, innocent until proven right. guilty. Yes, right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's no conviction. The other thing, guys, too. I spoke to uh, Congressman Troy Nels on the Rita Cosby Show, uh, which is at ten to midnight here on WABC. And he said to me, he's the one who submitted Trump's name for nomination. It's called he told R- me R- Rule Twenty Six. Yeah, he spoke about that. John, step aside of a member of leadership who is indicted. 
indicted. Oh, that's so. That's what I said. It's a house rule. Yes, it's a house rule. It's a house rule. So he, it's a house rule. but then it's not law. It's the rules of the house. But he, for some reason, thought oh. they could get around that. He was aware of that rule, and he, for some reason, he is so wait, still wait submitting a so the name. A, a political DA someplace in the country just indicts the Speaker of the House and the Speaker of the House. Well, it was federal has, indictment. Federal has to be a federal indictment. Yeah, you would yes. think yeah. it has to be right. a federal. Right. I would think. And it's probably the same rule in the Senate, and that's why Menendez had to step down from his committee, but he's still a senator. So I don't know. But, but you the know, issue, honestly, the issue not, is. But, but, uh, but Trump is not a congressman. No, he's not he's a not, congressman. That's another interesting. And here's the layer. Again, the, the congressman who's submitting Trump's name for nomination was aware of this rule, and he said he believed there's there it, it, he, they, it? there's exceptions to it. So let's see. I mean, it's an interesting I, I discussion. I believe that when the Academy Award. <laughs> By the way, you might get so it. You're if, good if, at a lot uh, of things, John. If President <laughs> Trump were to become the president, he, the 45th president, and that he's big, he was the 45th president, and then he becomes the 47th president, that would make him the second president to hold two places. Yeah. Who was the first? Who was the first? Do you know? Real quick. Oh, Grover Cleveland. All he right. was the 22nd president. He lost. And he came back and let's he was go 24th to, president. Let's go to Gordon Chang and yep. let's try to go a little bit over time on that. Yep, okay. we've got uh, Gordon G. Chang, of course, on Twitter, our favorite China expert. Sorry, a lot of big breaking news, Gordon, but we love you. Uh, we had you on about this big story about these New York private schools that are owned by the Chinese Communi- Communist Party. Talk about this, how much they're infiltrating education. Well, they're, <clears throat> excuse me. They're infiltrating not only the college and university campuses, which has gotten all the attention up to now with the Confucius Institutes, but their infiltration of secondary schools has really been deeper. So there have been um, 500 Confucius classrooms in the United States. Those are like Confucius Institutes, but only in our secondary schools. And really what this means is that China has worked very hard to influence young minds. Now, the New York Post story is about uh, basically the Communist Party owning secondary schools, um, but they don't have to own them to control them. And they've been doing this now with uh, all sorts of means. And Cox? With respect to the Chinese economy, uh, we just had UN Week here several weeks ago, and uh, uh, one of the Asian leaders who should know said that 40% of uh, younger people under 20 are unemployed now. Uh, is this where the economy is going in China? That's shocking. Yeah, well, what's even more shocking is that counts only people who are in the workforce. When you add people not in the workforce, that number goes up, for instance, to 45.5%, which was in March of this year. And the situation has not gotten any better since then. So we're talking almost half of the youth cohort, cohort which is 16 <laughs> to 24. They are just don't have work. And that really shows the weakness of the Chinese economy um, from the top to the bottom. Gordon, it's Richard Weinberg. I want to ask you, there was an article in the Wall Street Journal today about defective parts that are being sold into the United States allegedly by by Chinese companies and the defective parts for airplanes. What do you know about that? Yeah, well, there have been um, throughout this century um, reports of Chinese defective parts um, and fake counterfeit parts being sold. And in 2012, the big scandal was they were showing up in the U.S. military aircraft. This is commercial aircraft stuff. And the coincidence here is that China is trying to sell its COMAC C919 
to um, uh, airlines around the world. And at the same time, they're putting fake parts into airliners from other countries. Um, for instance, uh, Boeing uh, 737s and others. So we've really got to be concerned that this is unrestricted warfare on the part of the Chinese. I mean, this is absolutely awful. And what, what are our remedies against that, Gordon? Well, first of all, we've got to have tighter controls, and the FAA is responsible for that. Um, but, you know, the, the cost that we have to impose on China, um, because – um, we just have to start saying to China, look, we're not selling stuff to you. We're not allowing investments into China. We're not allowing technical cooperation. The costs have got to be really, really high for China to stop this, because up to now, no administration has imposed those costs that are necessary to stop Chinese behavior, which in some cases is actually killing Americans. So is this the coming? You wrote about this a uh, long time ago. Is this the coming collapse of China that's really we're seeing now? It could very well be because um, the Communist Party has relied on the delivery of prosperity for um, the basis of its legitimacy. And now it can't do that, um, as we talked about youth unemployment, but also property. Um, Property uh, constitutes about 70 percent of the wealth of Chinese households, and property has just dropped through the floor. That means almost every Chinese household has lost substantial wealth over the last two, three years. So the old joke that we're saying, don't accept any Chinese money, we shouldn't do it. <laughs> no, we shouldn't do it. Uh, it's not a good idea, John. <laughs> what, what's worse, Chinese money or, or Russian money? Well, you know, the ruble fell between 100 to 1, the 100 to 1 barrier. Um, the renminbi is now at 7.3 to the dollar, which is below the psychological 7 level. Probably the Russian ruble is weaker, um, but without currency controls and without massive dollar selling by the Chinese government, the Chinese currency would also be worthless. All right. Well, Gordon, uh, thank you so much for being here. You are always such a wealth of information and keeping us, uh, keeping the country honest and focused on China, which is a huge threat. Uh, albeit it may be the collapse on the horizon, as you said, Ed. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon Chang. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Gordon. Well, guys, uh, we had a long day, and um, what do we all stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, and American way. I pray for our country. I really, really pray for our country. Thank you, guys.